<laughs> um, Peter, could you pass me my phone up there, please? It's just right there. Just, uh, hopefully it is on silent, yeah. I'll double check that. Thank you. Yes, it is on silent. Cool. Well, praise God. Um, I Before I start, I just wanted to um, let you know that we've been continuing with youth. Thank you for the people that have been praying in that. It's been actually really fun. We had a really fun time last week, actually. Um, I think I had a bit of fun. Di Botcher <laughs> said she saw me on Facebook, so clearly that was posted up. Uh, yeah, so we were playing some games in it, and uh, yeah, it was quite <laughs> fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you know anybody the age, between the ages of about, around about 12 and 18, basically it's year nine, uh, sorry, year eight. Oh, we can take anyone in year seven at this point of the year as well, so right up to year 13, um, they would be most welcome to come. But yeah, it's really nice seeing that starting again. We're very blessed to have that. Also, um, Huia and Elaine, Elaine's away at the moment, but Huia and Elaine are involved in a combined churches of Carpety kind of things for children. They meet regularly with other church leaders from other churches around the area, and they hold uh, every couple of months, they'll have two or three months, they'll have something for the children. So there's something coming up. This one is going to be held at Our Lady of Carpety. And it's next weekend on Sunday. It's called Blessing of the Animals. But I just think it sounds so cute. So, okay, from 3 to 4.30, um, they're going to have a farm animal petting zoo. And they're going to have Devonshire teas, bring your own picnic basket, uh, and bring your pet or a photo of your pet. But all my animals must be restrained, <laughs> which is fair enough because we don't want any fights happening, do we? So I just wanted to let you know, if you have children or know of any young, uh, it would be good for any children really, but that would be quite fun. If I was a child, I'd be keen to go um, to the farm animal petting zoo because it's always nice to see farm animals. So I just wanted to let you know about that. That'll be really fun. So that's next weekend from 3 to and it's on a Sunday afternoon. Okay, so my message today is uh, kind of a little bit of a, a continuation from last week in, in some ways. It's called Prophesy and Proclaim. And, you know, so I'm going to talk about a couple of things first. I'm going to talk about our identity in Christ. And then I'm going to link that into what that means in regards to Israel and what's happening over there at the moment. So, you know, God prophesied creation, then he named his creation. Okay. And here's an example. In Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So in Genesis 1-3, he, he prophesied. Now, when I say prophesied, that just means calling the future into the present. So he called the future into the present when he said that. He said, let there be light. It was spoken in faith, and it happened. And then Genesis 1-5, it says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Now, the Hebrew meaning of the word called is to proclaim. So God proclaimed it. He named it. And he named the light and the darkness. He named the earth. He named the sky. He named the seas. 
and everything that he made at that point. Now we are made in the image and likeness of God, Genesis 1, 26 to 27 says. Now that, that scripture in Genesis 1, 26 through to 27 says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own, own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Now we are the only ones that are made in God's image and likeness. Angels aren't. They're not made in his image and likeness. Um, no creatures, no animals, no birds, no fish, or any other living thing actually. It's only us. So when God made man, and by the way, the Hebrew word for man is, is Adam, which is what we say, Adam. Now that just means man or mankind. So when God made man, he, made, he gave mankind dominion. That means the right to rule over the earth and the other things he had made. And that says that in Genesis 1.28. Then he gave Adam an opportunity to name some creatures. It's almost like God, he, he made a whole lot of things. He named them. Then he made man in his image and likeness, and he said, now you name some things. And in Genesis 2.19, he said, out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So, in other words, he and that, that word called, by the way, is the same word as called back in uh, Genesis 1.5, where it means he proclaimed it, he named. So, God brought his creation to mankind to see what name would be declared or proclaimed over them, and that formed that creature's identity. Now, God has made us in his image and likeness. And do you know that means that we not only look like God, but we are like God as well. We aren't God, but we, are, we look like him and we are like him. And that means that just as God framed the word world with his words, speaking out and prophesying and declaring in faith, we're created to do the same as well, like I said last week. He was teaching us that our words create. Our words need to be spoken in faith. Our words are proclamations and declarations, and they are prophetic because we are speaking the future into existence. So, you know, when, when God named things, he gave them identity. In Genesis 5.2, he created us, it says, he created them, which is us, male and female, and blessed them and called them or proclaimed that we were mankind. Okay, so he, he called them mankind in the day they were created. So on the day that God created us, he proclaimed our identity. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people in this world today that struggle with identity, and there's a lot of struggle with that. But 
The reason why I believe is because God's been excluded from so much in this, in this world. And without God, we struggle with identity because the foundation of our, our identity should be in God. And as an example, you know, now that I'm born again, and I've been born again for quite a while, but now that I'm born again, my identity I know is based on how God sees me. It's based on that. How others see me will affect the way that they interact with me, um, but because I know my identity is in God, I know that they, what they think doesn't change my identity. It doesn't make a difference at all. Even how I see myself won't change my identity either. You see, I see myself, even if I see myself differently to how God sees me, you know, that might mean I'm confused about my identity, but my true identity has not changed. You know, my identity, and actually to give you an example, and I gave this example at the earlier service, is that if, if you were the son of a king, and I know we are the son of a king, actually. We are the son of a king. But if you were the son of a, of a king here on earth, and someone said to you, you're not the king, you'd say, it doesn't matter what you say, I am the son of a king. You know, it wouldn't actually matter what that person said to you, because you are the son of a king. And so God's given us an identity, and it doesn't actually matter what people say makes no difference because our identity, our, find our foundation is in God. And so for me, my identity in God is that I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm part of the bride of Christ. I'm a blood-bought woman of God. And your identity is very similar to that. And there's so much more to it than that as well. So how another person sees me isn't going to change my identity. It only might change the way I respond to that person. So, for example, if, I, if, if a person sees me as maths teacher, which they do in, at a certain place where I work, they see me as maths teacher, then they are... You know, they're going to come at me with questions related to the fact that they see me as maths teacher. And I'll respond to them as maths teacher as well. Um, if someone talks to me as pastor, I'll respond as pastor. A small number of people in my life um, call me nana or, or mum or auntie or daughter or niece, or neighbor, or friend. There's, there's people that, that call me that, or Bible teacher as well. But what I think of myself, and how I respond to people, and what others think of me doesn't affect my identity at all, okay? Because my identity is based on what God, who God says I am. And so I'm just going to give you some, some, it's a whole bunch actually, of the things that we can prophesy or decree over our life about who God says we are. I'm going to give you an example. And I've got scriptures for all of these, and I'll go through it really quickly. If you want to see it later, then 
see me about it, but I, I know that I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven. So, and I'm also an ambassador for Christ as well. So we're citizens of heaven. When we became born again, we became, we, we got like dual citizenship. <laughs> we might be citizens of New Zealand perhaps, but we're citizens of heaven. That's, our, that's where we're from, you know. That's, that's, our, pla- that's our homeland. That's where we're going to go when we die. But in the meantime, while we're here, we're ambassadors for Christ. And an ambassador is someone that lives in a foreign country and represents the interest of the homeland. And that's what we are. I'm a child of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a branch of the true vine, and I bear fruit. I'm set free from the law of sin and death. I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm not condemned by God. I'm not a slave to sin because my old self was crucified with Christ. I'm a child and an heir of God. I'm joined heir with Christ Jesus. I'm chosen and predestined by God to obtain an inheritance. I'm alive with Christ because of God's love and mercy. I'm brought near to God by the blood of Jesus. I'm chosen by God. I'm holy and dearly beloved. I'm God's workmanship. I'm created to do good works. I'm justified and redeemed. I'm wise, I'm righteous, I'm sanctified, I'm redeemed. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm righteous and holy. I'm redeemed through Jesus' blood and forgiven by God's grace. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. I'm marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And Do you know when you're marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, that signifies God's ownership. Which is, uh, and I'm actually going down a little rabbit hole here, but uh, when we, we, we're marked with the Holy Spirit, okay, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that is why, you know, in, in Revelation where they talk about the mark of the beast, that's why Christians can't take the mark, if, you know, because that's, that mark would replace the mark of the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's wrong, because you'd be accepting that and the enemy's stuff related to that to replace what God has done for us. Anyway, that wasn't intended to say that. I am a child of light. I'm complete in Christ. I'm joined to the Lord and in one spirit with him. I'm led by God in the triumph and knowledge of Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm a member of the body of Christ and a partaker of his promise. I'm bold and confident, having full access to God through faith in Christ. That's a lot, and that's only some of it. <laughs> but, you know, we need to be strong in our identity. And if, you, if you're not strong in your identity, start confessing those things over yourself every day. We need to be strong in our identity, especially in these last days as well, because then, no matter what someone says to us, it's not going to affect us. It's not going to mean we're going to slip back into the world because we know that we know that we know that we are God's children. You know? That's why we need that strength. That's why we need to know who we are in Christ because it's like a rock that we cling to. 
It says in Romans 8.19, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That's what creation's waiting for, and you can kind of feel it groaning at the moment. You know, we, we, that's, what, that's what creation's waiting for, is the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And I think as we, as we understand our identity in God, it's just going to become so much more clear. God is coming back for a glorious church, holy and blameless. Ephesians 5.27 that says that Jesus would present to himself a glorious church, not having any spots or wrinkles or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's what God's coming back for. That's what Jesus is coming back for. So a glorious church has a deep-seated knowing of their identity in God and uh, we understand the power that's, that we have through the authority which Jesus has delegated to us. And it's a church that he's coming back for which is genuinely, genuinely loves the people, genuinely has a passion for the lost and is unified as well. So how does our, our identity relate to Israel? Well, our God is also the God of Israel. And Israel needs to know that Christians are standing with them and that we understand the evil that they're up against because we have the same identity. We are like the Israel of God. We haven't replaced the Jewish people, but instead we're part of the household of faith. And Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, when Israel's hurt, it affects all of us, actually. And when one in the body suffers, all, the body, all in the body suffer. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. So I want you to think of Israel. It's a li- Israel's a little bit like the tithe of the nations. Israel is the scale on which all of the nations are weighed. Now we're in a, a, at the moment there's conflict in Ukraine, there's a war in Ukraine, there's a war in Israel now also. However, Ukraine isn't the scales on which the nations are weighed. Israel is. The mightiest nations in the world are pulling into the Mediterranean at the moment. And, and they're also sending their leaders to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu also. Which side are they on? I don't know. Why that? But whatever side they're on is going to determine what happens with that nation. Israel is the scale on which the nations are weighed and we are called to be David's mighty men at this time. David is Israel. And we are the mighty men. And nations are also called to be mighty men, as well as us individually. Will they be, the, be mighty me- nations? Will they be mighty men? Don't know. Will we be mighty men? You know, Joel 3.14 says there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And we normally relate that to salvation. But I believe it also is referring to this time at the moment because the whole world is in upheaval. The whole world is making decisions about where they stand with Israel. Do they stand with Israel or do they not stand with Israel? 
what decision are you going to make? And I can just I can say this um, honestly now that Pastor Peter and I we've made our decision. We stand with Israel. We will pray for Israel. We will declare the word for Israel and we'll support Israel. And my question to you is, will you do that also? This decision needs to be taken and made very wisely and, and thoughtfully because we need to be the mighty men to David and God will bless us to the point we've never seen before when we do that. Um, and we will have blessing of the Lord on our land when we do that as well. So why do I say we need to stand with Israel? Um, it's because they're God's people. It doesn't mean that we're not God's people, because we are. And it doesn't mean either that they never make mistakes or that there isn't corruption there. But our unity, but unity in our stand is important. And there's a there is a saying too, and this is related to unity that. The enemy within is stronger than the enemy without. We know we have an enemy without, and that is Satan and the beginning of darkness. But the enemy within is disunity, is division. And if the enemy, Satan, sees that there's disharmony and disunity and division within the body of Christ, then he can actually take advantage of us and he can get a foothold into our, into the body of Christ, into our church. Now, I'm not saying that we're in disharmony at the moment, because we're not, but it's good to be a step ahead of the enemy. And I remember having a dream about that a few years back, about, about uh, tr walking towards somewhere, and the, I knew there was an enemy, but that was like a block over. And I was walking in the light, and the, with the, when the enemy was walking forward, there was darkness following with, with that enemy. And as I was walking, I knew that I was a step ahead of the enemy because the enemy was over by a block and a block back. But if we know, if we know that there is an enemy and we know what the enemy's strategies are, then we can be a step ahead of the enemy. And one of his strategies is to bring division, disharmony, and disunity into the church, into the body of Christ. Now, I don't want that happening in the body of Christ overall, and I especially don't want it happening here either. It's so important that we're united as a church. So if you feel, if you hear any kind of gossip or, or disharmony or any kind of talk that is like that, please tell us because we want to deal with it because we don't want our church to be in, like that. You know, we want to be able to deal with that quite quickly. Uh, I think that's the best loving way to do it, to be honest. Hey, as well. So, it says in, you know, like, the, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That's unity and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So if the enemy sows a little seed of division, and he'll just do it by, oh man, that person wasn't very nice to you, or that's not very good what those people did, 
and then you start dwelling on it, that's like that. If you dwell, if you begin to dwell on it, you've taken the bait. You've taken the bait as soon as you start dwelling on it. So we can't afford to have disunity in the body of Christ because it creates a weakness. It opens the door for the enemy to cause destruction and disunity and division have very negative consequences. But on the other hand, the Lord commands a blessing on unity and that says that, and I'm going to read it, Psalm 133 verses 1 to 3. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So it's important that we're in unity. That doing things God's way is by far the best way, by far, by far. So what we need to do is we need to make sure we're reflecting on our life all the time, removing any division. There's a scripture that's used all the time in wedding ceremonies and hardly ever at any other point. That's Ecclesiastes 4.12, where it talks about the threefold cord is not quickly broken. But that can relate to unity as well. It says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so we can see from that that there is great strength in unity. A threefold cord is where you've got uh, three um, bits of twine kind of interwoven. And so what that means is it's much, much stronger than a cord by itself. It's easier to break one by itself uh, than it is to break one with two and particularly one with three. And so in a marriage situation, it's usually um, likened to the husband, the wife, and God. And that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But we can also relate it to unity with us and God as well. All right, so the Bible is clear that as a church we are responsible to pray for Israel and to pray for peace in Jerusalem. And I'll read that scripture that I read last week. One, uh, Psalm 122, 6-7 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. Now, Genesis 12, 3, in that verse, God said to Abram, he said, I will bless those who bless you. So if we, so, that's saying that God will bless those who bless Israel. And I will curse him who curses you. That's a pretty sobering statement, eh? Hey? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And he, that was being spoken about Israel. And so we can see that it's really important to bless the Jewish people and pray for them. And so we need to pray. We need to do what the word says. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And blessing from God comes when we stand with Israel. Now, I, has anyone heard of the Iron Dome? Yeah, a few of you have. Yep. So Israel's got a missile defense system called Iron Dome. And it's a radar-guided tool that allows Israel to pinpoint and intercept missiles aimed at Israel. And it actually 
works really, really well. Occasionally there might be one that will get through, but usually they'll all be, most of them will be intercepted. But it enables ordinary Israelis to survive and live their lives um, in the midst of frequent rocket fire sent from groups outside Israel. So I want you to think about this. Our prayers are like the Iron Dome. When we pray, we're not just interceding, we're intercepting the enemy's fiery darts. So our prayers are needed because they're part of the spiritual warfare required at this time. Yep, yep. I really like that that idea of you know, thick, likening it to the Iron Dome because it's so true, isn't it? We're not only are interceding, but we're intercepting the enemy's fiery darts. And so as believers, the, the, you know, when we have our identity really strongly founded in Christ, um, God, you know, and the fact that we, when we've got that, and we realize that there's a huge amount of power in our words, you know, God got Adam to name the animals. He got Adam to proclaim the name of the animals or the identity of the animals. We can speak. We can speak uh, prophetically. Um, what I mean by that is, when we, I'm not saying we're all prophets, but it does say in the Bible that we can all prophesy. That means that what we speak out of our mouth, we speak in faith, and we can bring the future into now, okay, when we do that. So we need to speak life into the situation in Israel. We need to pray and intercede and prophesy the word of God over Israel uh, and speak the truth of the word into the atmosphere as well. Remember, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6.12 says. The true enemy is the kingdom of darkness. So if the mainstream media or alternate media or social media turns against Israel, do not take the bait of being negative about what Israel has to do in order to protect its people. So allow the blood of Jesus to remove the wall of separation between us and the Jewish people. Um, God wants that wall of division between us broken down and removed. Ephesians 2.14 says that. God wants restoration and unity between Israel and the church, and so we need to speak it out. We need to have their back. We need to stand with Israel. So we need to speak restoration, life, and wholeness. And so we can do things like decree John 10.10. 10. You know, we know that the thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but this is what we can proclaim. Jesus said, I have come that they would have life, and have it more abundantly. We can declare that the, with the fire of the Holy Spirit, God would send us into the seven mountains of influence to bring change to that mountain and to see souls saved. Can you remember what the seven mountains are? Family, education, arts and entertainment, religion, yep, business finance, yep, government, media, was that included before? It must be seven. <laughs> Very good, yes. So there's lots of areas. There's seven mountains of influence, and uh, we're all called to different ones. A lot of us will be called, if we're, if we're parents, we're called to family. That's one thing. We might be called to more than one. Uh, uh, 
if you're creative and artistic, you might be called to arts and entertainment. There's a whole bunch of things. So, so yeah. So the Holy, the Holy Spirit can send us into those mountains to bring change. And also, you know, we can declare the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus over Israel as well. Declare that Israel shall be saved. There's a lot of people that don't know God in Israel. Um, and intercede and intercept so that the fiery darts that are coming out of even from other countries, <laughs> but out of the media, and I just want to say that often the media can be considered the false prophets of the enemy, um, can be intercepted. Now, last week I talked about how when a prophet speaks, or even when we take the word of God, there's a lot of pro prophecy in the word. When we speak the word out, when lots of us speak it out, it's like enhancing that word like with a megaphone. Okay. Now, it, the enemy knows that principle. And so if he can get into the area, the mountain of media, and, and use pe or deceive people to be proclaiming what he wants proclaimed, that acts like a megaphone as well because it gets distributed to all the people. So, um, so yeah, just be, be aware of that. So cancel those fiery darts and make sure that they're intercepted. Cancel the destructive and negative narrative with positive God-filled words that are spirit and life. And even declare financial transfer of wealth to all those who are boldly standing up for God. There, that, the Bible talks about that. It says that, that that will happen. Uh, we shall overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, it says in Revelation 12, 11. And we can also boldly go into the throne of grace to obtain mercy. And, um, and help and grace for Israel. And so I've got some prayer points that I uh, that I was came across. I posted it up on the Wider Leaders channel. Um, but if anybody wanted a copy of them, I've got a whole lot of prayer points here with scriptures, which are quite useful. On top of what I gave last week if you're in your prayers for Israel, just to guide you a wee bit. So it's really important that we do that. But how else can we help? I had a few people uh, come to me asking whether we can donate to Ebenezer Operation Exodus, uh, which is what a group that we support, and, and they're based around 55 countries in, around the globe, and their purpose is to reunite the Jewish people and to their homeland. So basically there's Jewish people in various countries around the world and um, Ebenezer Operation Exodus helps those people to move to Israel. And so we've been giving to them anyway, but, but they've got a special fund where they're collecting donations for the victims of terror. If you wanted to donate to that, you can do that through Centre Church now, um, and we will make a, a bulk donation, um, but you just need to make sure that if you do that, make sure it's really clearly said, you know, like write it on the envelope, or if you pay by um, internet banking, just make sure it's in the reference, Israel or something like that, so that we know. Um, and also, Pastor Peter and I had a request from Pastor Nigel in Hawke's Bay, Pastor Nigel's part of ICFM, 
he's really passionate about Israel. A few years back he came here and spoke one Sunday about Israel and he asked whether we'd be willing to support, so he emailed me on Friday and said, would we be willing to support a push from like-minded people, organisations and churches around the country to lobby for the establishment of a New Zealand embassy in Israel? And I said, of course we would. Yes, absolutely. We definitely support as Centre Church that. And so that is um, being put forward now, tomorrow, I think, um, which will be fantastic. So, so yeah, so we want to support anything related to that. That would be great. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what I wanted to say is that we need to make sure we are strong and solid in our identity in God and then we can, um, from there, we can be, you know, know where we're standing and be praying for Israel at the same time. Now, I, I don't know where everybody is with God. I think most of you know God. But if there is anybody that doesn't know God in here or needs to recommit their life, um, God is the only place you'll find your true identity. And we need to allow God into our life to find it. You know, God has a way for us to do this without having to tick a series of boxes first. We can't earn our way to God. And uh, it was only through Jesus' sacrifice that we've been made right with God. That's why he died on the cross. It was for us. And so uh, God has made a way for us to find our identity in him. And it begins with accepting Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and what he did on the cross. So if that's you and you would like to receive Jesus, I want you to come and see me in a moment. Um, otherwise, I really want to uh, just pray for anybody that needs any prayer for healing, for hope, for encouragement, for um, 